0: As we'll reference uh, this uh, chapter uh, in the message this morning, presenting Christ in a difficult world. Presenting Christ in a difficult world. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless now the preaching of your word. Lord, the singing and the music sure has been a blessing. I've enjoyed singing with the church this morning, and I'm glad when the role is called up yonder, Lord, I'll be there. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the privilege to serve you. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to receive the instruction from your word that would help us to be more pleasing to you. And, Lord, in presenting Christ in a difficult world, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The story here is a well-known, in fact, one of the most well-known stories in all of the Bible. I'm glad that it is, and it should be because uh, the story of the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace is one that is a powerful testimony uh, for us and especially today. Let me lay the foundation, if I may, as we go up to Daniel chapter 3. The children of Israel in the land uh, of God, uh, the land of Canaan, uh, they had been punished by the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, because uh, they did not uh, worship God as they were instructed to do, and as a result, uh, their nation fell, and uh, there were many of those after the nation uh, was left in ruins uh, that were taken captive to Babylon. I don't know how many there were. There were some that say there were 10,000 people uh, that were taken as captives to Babylon. Some say there were as many as 75,000. Regardless of that number, we know of four men that would not defile themselves with the behavior in Babylon, but they held to their faith in God that they had learned in Israel. In this passage of Scripture, we have... Uh, the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar he makes a, a golden image sixty cubits. Now a cubit is about eighteen inches, so it's about ninety feet tall. It's about nine feet wide, and uh, I don't know if the image is of him or what he would uh, wish it to look like. Uh, but he puts up this golden image in the plain of Dura. And he gathers all of the uh, leadership, all of the officials of the land of Babylon, and he brings all of the people and all of these uh, captives. These folks have been brought uh, to serve the king of Babylon. They were supposed to have been worshiping God in the land of Israel, but now they're captives and they're being trained uh, to serve this wicked king. So uh, they're out there in this field, in this plain of Dura, and he tells them, uh, when you hear this music, uh, I want you to bow down. Now, I know it's heathen music because there's not a, uh, there's not a guitar, a banjo, or a violin anywhere mentioned in there. And uh, so So he told them, he said, when the music starts, you bow down and you worship the image. Well, they've been told uh, you don't worship images. There's only one God, and that's our creator God, and uh, you're not to bow down before any image. And so uh, they just stood there. You know the story. And as they uh, stood there, uh, they... uh, Uh, We're given another opportunity and another, and eventually they're thrown into the fiery furnace. I'm going to give you an outline of uh, this story and a little bit, uh, a few words, five, that will help us to outline and understand uh, this uh, passage of Scripture as we learn about presenting Christ in a difficult world. Uh, For you see, we're living in a world today where they're telling all of us to bow down to the new immorality, immodesty, abominations of the world. Sadly, many large corporations are bowing down. They're hearing the sound of the music, and for sake of their business, they bow down. They forget the Ten Commandments. They forget the laws of God. And We live in a day where there's a lot of pressure put even on young people. How sad in schools what they're hearing today. How sad it is that even now in our state they're working to pass laws. It's embarrassing to say, to even talk about. Pass laws preventing teachers from recommending sex therapy to a child trying to make a boy of a girl or a girl of a boy. They're telling us, don't you say anything about it either. If you do, we'll put you in the news and we'll chastise you. We'll destroy your business. We'll destroy your testimony. You just bow down. Now, friend, I want to tell you something. There's still just one God, and that's the creator God. You and I are not to bow down to any of these ideas or images that the world would put out. And I got news for them. While they may think they're uh, marching to victory They're going to find out like Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and Nero and the rest of those that thought they could conquer the world, they're going to find out they'll come and go and Jesus will still be on the throne. So today we continue our faith in him. As you go through this passage of scripture, there are five things I want you to see. First of all, God is remembered. Even though they're in a strange land, God is remembered uh, the, uh, these young men are far from home, but thank the Lord, they're not far from God. It doesn't matter where you are, we're supposed to do what's right to do. God is remembered. He is not forgotten. These young men have been taken from their securities of life. They've been taken uh, from their places of worship in Israel, and they've been brought to a heathen land. But even in the heathen land, God is remembered. But even more than that, second of all, God is respected. Some know to do right, but they won't do right. These young men decide, as did Daniel, we will not defile ourselves. Daniel said, with a portion of the king's meat or with the king's wine. These men decided, I'm not going to defile myself by bowing down to an image of gold. And so God is not just remembered in the strange land. God is respected in the strange land. And young people and, and college students and men and ladies, as you go to your place of work, uh, we ought to stand for what's right. We ought to do right. Yeah, somebody laughing at you is not going to hurt you. Come on now. That's nah, not going to hurt us. I've been laughed at. I've been mocked, been cursed, even that. It's no fun, but it, it, it won't hurt you. i tell you what it will do. It will bring the blessings of God in your life when you stand for what's right. So they're remembered, and God is uh, not only remembered, God is respected, and then I want you to notice God is recognized by everyone. Now, it's not in a positive way, but God is recognized. I want you to look in verse number 8. The Bible says, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, Uh, live forever thou O king has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of all the instruments of music in verse 11 and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They, uh, they served not thy gods, nor worshipped the golden image which thou hast set up. I want you to notice God is recognized, not in a positive way. But they're mocking them Say, Well, we got three Christians in the crowd. About three of these crazy people that still believe in God, three of these people that still believe in the Creator—they're not going along with modern times. And in the accusation, God is recognized to the King and all that's around them. Let me give you the fourth part of the of the outline and the structure of what happens. Number four, God is reproached. First of all, God is remembered. Thank God, He's not forgotten. But not only is he remembered, God is respected. They, they're not going to bow down to the golden image. Third of all, God is recognized. And he's recognized not as the answer, but he's recognized as a problem. I know that feeling. There's some today. I'll tell you what the problem is. That preacher won't shut up. We, 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 we would have even more fun if those preachers keep their mouth shut. And, and the Christian gets in the way of the work of the devil. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stand for right. And so God is recognized, not as the answer, but as a problem. And then God is reproached. Look at verse number 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, I mean, he's mad, and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Now look at verse number 15 and the last part of the verse. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? God is reproached or God is mocked. Nebuchadnezzar is filled with anger. The Bible uses two words here, in his rage and fury. I mean, that is just angry. He is in a rage. He is furious. He commands that these fellows come before him and he says to them, who is this God that you think could deliver you from the fiery furnace? Now, these young men desire to be a testimony for God. Would you agree? They want to be a testimony for God. It would be a wonderful thing if the king would recognize their testimony. That's what I desire as I work to win people to Christ, as I work to share the gospel, as I work to take a stand for that which is right. I want folks to recognize that God is not the problem. God is the answer God brings structure, God brings guidelines and guardrails and inside of that there's joy and there's gladness and there's happiness and they want the king to see from their testimony their God but the king doesn't see anything except he's not getting his way and he's filled with fury and he's filled with anger. Now, here's the most important part and the purpose of the message this morning. At this point, all they've said and all they've done has done nothing to advance the cause of truth and right. They have only made the king mad. But I want you to see what happens next. The fifth part and the final part of the story, God is revealed. I want you to go to verse number 20. Verse number 20, I love this. And he commanded the most mighty men. I've underlined that because he chose from among them, uh, from his soldiers, from his servants, he got the mightiest, he got the strongest, he got the biggest men he could find that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats their hosen and their hats and their outer gar- other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these weren't weaklings. These weren't volunteers. These were the best of the army. And the men that did not go in the furnace, but the men that threw the three into the furnace, they were slain because of the heat of the furnace. Are you with me this morning? All right, now look at verse number 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, Was astonished. Now, the Bible has described him thus far as in a rage, as uh, with fury. Now he is astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now now, now here's the message. They wanted the king to see the son of God in their stand but he didn't see him. They wanted the king to see their God in their testimony but the king didn't see him there. It was not until they went into the furnace of fire that God shows up and the king is astonished and he sees not just these men dead at the mouth of the furnace, at the gate of the furnace. He looks in for the three men to see them burning and he sees not three, he sees four. So he asks the men, didn't we throw three men into the fire? Yes, king, that's the truth. You're right, there were three I see four men, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, here's the message. I wish that America would hear the testimony of Christ and see and receive Him. I wish they would hear and see the stand of God's people and they would put their faith in God as the answer. But the truth is, in this difficult world, God will be revealed in the fire. There are many willing to stand. There are many willing to testify. But it's the fire. It's the furnace. It's the trial where Christ is seen. As we look back over history... And we see of the great men and women that have been used to form and to protect the great freedom of our nation. It was not their words, it was not their signature on a document, but it was their willingness to die for the cause that accomplished the task. We must have another generation that's willing not just to stand, not just to march, not just to be seen, but when the trials come, not to back down because that is where Christ is revealed in the difficult times. Let me give a bit of a testimony. I grew up in a godly Christian home. Now, my dad was not in church when I was a little boy. I started going to church nine months before I was born. My mom took me. And before my dad got right with God, my mom took me to church. She took me, and she, as you've heard me say, she took three things. She took her Bible, she took her purse, and she took a switch. Now, not a light switch, though I did see some light. Uh, she she took what, what we would call just a hickory limb or just and she took and she just she just laid it down on the pew. And if the Bible didn't get the job done, the switch did. And I can testify that there was a row of trees out behind that church, Bible Baptist Church, West Second Street, Zenia, Ohio. There was a row of trees out there. I did more praying out there beside those trees. Lord, send Jesus before me and Mama get to those trees. She always took her Bible, her purse, and her switch. And um, I'm glad that my dad got right with God. The preacher stayed after him, got him in church. He'd preach. And my dad would get mad and quit. He'd get him back in church, and he'd preach. And he accused him of following him around and preaching against all of his sins that week. That's what the holy. It wasn't me following you this week. It was the Holy Spirit following. And then he and I had a meeting this morning. My dad finally got right with God. And I, I had the privilege, my two brothers and I had the privilege to grow up in a godly Christian home. Every night, my dad read the word of God. He read a devotional. We prayed together. We were always in church. And I learned a lot from my mom and dad. I learned hard work. I learned respect. I learned kindness to others. I learned a lot. But in 1983, when my dad got cancer at the age of 38, they went through the fire. My mom, as you've heard me say, fixed the same meal every Sunday, and it'd be fine with me if we had it until Jesus comes. Roast beef, don't leave now, roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy, homemade biscuits. I'm not talking about canned biscuits, I'm talking about the real kind. I'm talking about lard and flour and buttermilk. She didn't know what cholesterol was. Had she known, she'd have fried it and eaten it, but she didn't know what it was. And, and and every Sunday, that's what we had. And I remember after my dad had cancer, a preacher preached in our church, and he challenged us not only to pray, but to fast and pray. And so on Sunday after the meal was set, my mother got up, and she went to her room. I didn't know why the first time, and the second time, and then the third time, and then... I recognized that she was not eating on Sunday. Every Sunday night, we had roast beef sandwiches with horseradish sauce every Sunday night. That's what we had after church. My mom didn't eat, though she prepared the meal and though she washed the dishes and though she cleaned the kitchen. I heard her pray. I was 19 years old. I heard her say, Oh God, my boys need a daddy. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd heal my husband. Can I tell you something? I learned a lot of things from my mom, but I saw Jesus in the fire. When my dad at night, after he'd taken a chemotherapy treatment, would be very sick. I've come down the steps, and I've watched mom as she changed all the bedclothes, that were wet from all the perspiration and sickness of the chemotherapy. I don't know how many times my dad in sickness would say, Son, read to me. Dad, what do you want me to read? I want you to read Psalm 34. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse number 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse number 7, the, uh, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and then, O, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I learned a lot of things from my dad, but I saw Jesus in the fire. I want you to think about it as you think about Bible stories. I want you to think about what they found in the trial. Paul and Silas were powerful gospel preachers, as you know, And they were told and they were threatened, don't preach anymore. If you preach again, we're going to put you in jail. And they... They preached until they threw them in jail. And the Philippian jailer, no doubt as you read the story, he opened the cell door when they arrested those men after they had beaten them. And he opened the door as they took them in to bind their hands and feet and stocks and bonds. And 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 no doubt when they were finished, it was the jailer that closed the door and and, and, and locked the, uh, the lock on the door and went out to... Ah, but dear friend, it wasn't in the testimony of Paul and Silas. It wasn't in the preaching of Paul and Silas. Ah, but in the trials, they praised God and they sang at midnight and God came down to the jail and he shook the jail. It was then that the jailer saw Christ and received him as Savior. You see, there are those here today, and I know many of you, I know folks today, you're in the midst of the furnace as far as trials are concerned, as far as difficulties are concerned, and it isn't easy, and nothing will make it easy, but you can decide, I'm going to praise God not out of emotion, but I'm gonna praise God by decision. I may not feel like it, but I'm gonna be in my place. I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to do. Dear friend, that's when your children are gonna see Christ in you. That's when others are going to see Christ in you. There may be times of tears, and there will be. There will be times of difficulty. Oh, but you hear me well, dear friend. It is not in what we teach. It is not in what we say. It is not in how we live. It's the fiery trials that we go through. That's where Christ is seen in our life. The apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And as he described in Second Corinthians chapter 12, he said the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Thrice he prayed. I don't believe those were bedtime prayers. I believe those were seasons of prayer. Lord, please take away the thorn in the flesh. Paul came to the place that all of his physical strength was gone. He came to the place that his mental and emotional strength was spent and he found himself empty and he found himself in complete weakness. But he found something in that weakness. He found something at the bottom that he couldn't find any other place and he declared it was in my weakness that Christ's strength was made perfect and he then said, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ, he wanted folks to see Christ and it was in the fire where they saw Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 1, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Most often we have to be broken before that can be seen in our life you know who your friends are your friends are those that stay with you in the tough times know who your friends are our friends are revealed when we go through difficult times and that my friend is when Christ is seen in our lives you may be there this morning you may be there at a time and you think this is too hard I'd rather give up and give up on life and give up on serving God Oh, no, this is the opportunity that you have. This is when Christ showed up in the fire. We think of the greatness of Job. Job was not great because of his position as a judge. Job was not great because of the wisdom that he had, though he was a man of great wisdom. Job is not respected as a man of greatness because of the property or the material possessions that he had. Greatness of Job is when he lost all of that. And Job said, Though he slay me, I'll trust in him. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job sinned not with his lips. That's the greatness of Job. The greatness of a church not in the times of blessings and prosperity we're at an enjoyable day today we're at a time of victory we're at a time of blessing excitement we see yet another building the sixth building since I've been the pastor we, 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 we've grown from one to another we've tried diets, we've tried everything but we just have to keep build, building bigger buildings this is a great day but there have been some tough days There have been some days that we've laid to rest some of the finest men and women of God. There have been times we've laid to rest as many as four in a family at one time. There have been times the newspapers and the media has taken aim at this church. The greatness of a church is not in the blessing. It was in those days when you said, say what you want to say, we're going to do the will of God. Christ was not seen until they went into the fire. And the king said, I see four. And the fourth is like the Son of God. Stand with me if you will this morning. And I want to say to you, press on in your trials. Stand strong in your battle. Lift up his name in the lowest place of despair. You may not feel like it, you may not want to, but still we can bless his holy name. Heavenly Father, thank you that your strength is discovered in our weakness. That Lord, while we want you to be revealed in our words, our testimony, and our stand, it is most often the fire that you're revealed, especially to a rebellious world that has rejected you. Lord, may you give us more men and women, college students and even young people who will say, even in the fire, I'll trust in him and I'll bless his name. May we encourage those around us that are in the time of trial today. May we help them. Lord, may you be seen in our lives. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.